and uh, I can explain that to you. This morning, though, I want to uh, please turn to First uh, John chapter five. First John chapter five. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, yeah, Genesis. Uh, let me go back. I just wrote it down. Genesis 17, verse 18 through 21, and Galatians 4, verse 22 through 30. Take those, please. Second one? Genesis. Wait a minute, let me go back. Galatians. Galatians 4, 22 through 30. And that'll, that'll try to explain some of it. But uh, I'd like to get back to it. I was uh, talking this week and discussing uh, how that uh, people, people say they're Christians, say they're saved, and they don't necessarily say they're Christian. They just use the word they're saved. In fact, if you go down the street or in public, and if you could ask people, are you saved? Most people would say yes. And they don't even know what you're talking about. They just, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Or I'm saved. Or I'm a child of God. And they have no idea of what the Bible states about being a Christian or being a child of God. Now, the book of 1 John, if you'll turn there, please, I'll show you something. There are marks, and and let me make this plain before I get started. Uh, Between me and God, my salvation lays between me and God, not me and men. Uh, Men's opinion of me has nothing to do with my salvation. My relationship with God, though, has to do with my salvation. But my relationship with man, James says, for instance, show me thy thy works and I'll show you my faith. What he's talking about there is you claim to be saved, show me. Now, that's the relationship with man on man. God does not say to me and you, show me, and then I'll save you. We're saved by belief. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, period, not by words. I just believe in Him. That's salvation. Now, once you are saved, though, somebody ought to be able to tell, the people of the world ought to be able to tell that you are a child of God. So, the book of 1 John now, and remember this now, the book of 1 John is written to save people, not the unsaved. So let's read the 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. Uh, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So that's settled, that settles the matter of salvation. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. 
For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear a record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness of himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has a Son hath life. And he that had not the Son of God had not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come, and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Father, Bless the reading and study thy word to our hearts today and minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now go back for just a moment before I get started. And let me explain something. Verse 18. For we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now, if you take that, you can't take a verse out, out just take a verse out and say, we got it. No. You have to run reference on that. And when you find out what he's talking about here is this. As far as holy God is concerned, I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. When I got saved, he covered me in the blood of Jesus Christ. As far as holy God is concerned, then, I cannot sin. What that means is God cannot see my sins because he's looking through the blood of Jesus Christ at me and I become as white as snow. Now that's taught all the way through the Bible for your study. So what he's saying here is that the Holy Spirit is in you. He sin is not. But our body, this flesh, is still a sinful flesh we've got to contend with. 
we still have the same desires, we still do things we ought not to do, and so on. Now, but how do I know? Now, I know myself that I'm saved, but I don't know you're saved. I can only know by the marks that you profess that you're saved. I can't read your mind. I can't understand uh, you, but I can know by your works and what you do and what you say and where you go and everything about you, I can know that you're a child of God. But as far as looking at your heart, I can't do that. I just know mine. And so that's true of everybody now. It's not just me. Now, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That's every believer. That you may know that you have eternal life. So, it's a terrible thing for somebody to go through life not sure of where they're going to spend eternity. Now, the joy of being a real Christian is, I know I'm saved. And I can know, like my wife, for instance, is in heaven. I know she's saved. Amen? And how do I know it? Now, all 66 books of the Bible have a specific purpose. The purpose of each book complements the purpose of the entire Bible. In John 20, for instance, verse 31 says, But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Now, this verse leaves no doubt about why John was written. John was written to let people understand how to be saved. If you take all the book of John, not First John now, John, and you read it, it's written for one thing, to show people how to be saved. And then, when you look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, this book of the Bible says of itself, <clears throat> these things are written unto you that believe. So he's talking to those that already believe. John is written to people to get them saved. 1 John is written to people that's already saved. No doubt about it. John is writing to those who already believe are saved people. Daniel prophecies of one who shall finish the transgression and make an end of sin. In other words, one who shall uh, make reconciliation for iniquity and bring in everlasting righteousness. Zechariah prophesies of Christ and says, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he answers, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends, awake, O sword, against my shepherd. Then in the New Testament, Jesus himself prophesied of his own sacrifice, saying, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Then in John, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, walking towards him, in John 1.29, and says, Behold, the Lamb of God would take it away the sin of the world. Again, Jesus says, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth long. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Then prophecy gives way to fact. Words give place to deeds. And the people cry, 
crucify him, crucify them, and they crucified him in John 19, verse 18. The future becomes the present. 4,000 years of prophecy and all those years of sacrifice had pointed to this one day, the crucifixion. God's plan has been carried out. Sin is at last atoned for. Jesus cries out in John 19 and verse 30, It's finished. Finished in the Father's purpose. Finished is the sin of man. Finished is the power and sway of Satan. The work is now completed. The sacrifice is accepted. There's no more need of blood. No blood, no altar. Now, the sacrifice is over. I've had people so many times come to me, Preacher, why did they sacrifice animals in the Old Testament and we don't sacrifice blood in the New Testament? It's because Jesus' blood was finished. As far as the sacrifice of blood is concerned, it's over with. We don't sacrifice to animals and goats and so on no more. We don't even sacrifice Jesus no more. That blood is done. We don't bring blood no more. It's done. No man looks back to the cross and the blood already given. Now we stand between two great events. I mean now, right now, we look back to the cross and the blood already given. And we stand between two great events. Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection and looks back to what Jesus died on the cross. He bore our sins. Looking at 1 Peter 2, 21-24, four things are taught. There's the paradox. Verse 20 of 1 Peter 2, who did no sin, that's Jesus, neither was God found in his mouth. You know what that means? He didn't deserve to die. But verse 24, the one who is sinless and guiltless in bearing and suffering the punishment of due, that is due to sin. But note the word over in verse 40, 24. Uh, there is the answer. Jesus knew no sin, yet he suffered for sin, but he suffered for our sin. That's a paradox. Then the personal nature of the sacrifice, who his own self bore our sin in his own body. He could have uh, chosen a, a servant, an angel, or a substitute, but Jesus bore our sins in his own body. Now that's a perfect, pure body. His own self bore our sins in his own body. Those sins were my sins. Those transgressions were done by me, yet he bore them all in the tree or the cross. Then notice the permanence of his love. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, who has ever believed in him, shall not perish. Jesus did not lay down the load of sin. Jesus' disciples tried to persuade him not to go to the cross. Yet Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem and die there for you and I. Now, Jesus took no blood of lamb or bush. He took himself and laid himself on God's altar. Then notice the power and purpose of Jesus Christ's death. Verse 24 says that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness. This sacrifice has power to put sins to death. Our sin 
debt has been paid. We sing the song, there's power in the blood, wonderful power in the blood. It can and does take away sins forever. Then notice, perfect cure. By whose stripes we were healed. The person who trusts in Christ is made whole. The debt is paid. The sin is crucified. The wounds of sin are healed forever. According to Romans. And now take a, just tie with that a minute. And then I want to finish up with something. In Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I guess I've read these verses more than any other verses trying to show people uh, that, uh, that believe you can lose your salvation. Here are some of the greatest verses in all the Bible that teach you can't. And you will not. Romans chapter 8, please. Look with me beginning in verse 31. Verse 31. I got Corinthians again. I'll get it right in a minute. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say then, these, these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He has spared not His own Son, but deliver him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Now notice something here, please. This plainly tells us the wounds or sins are healed forever by the Lord Jesus Christ when He died on the cross. Here's what I'm saying. Salvation is finished. Everything that we desire to go to heaven is done. All right? But how do I know you're saved? Now, I know I'm saved. I've trusted Christ. I've asked God, cover me in the blood of Jesus Christ for my sins. Amen? And He said, I will... If you ask me. Now go to James for just a minute. The book of James, please. And a lot of people did, did want to say that this is a contradiction. But it is not a contradiction. The Bible never contradicts itself. Alright? Now, let's read in James uh, chapter 2 and uh, begin in verse 14. What doeth the prophet, my brother, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warned and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful of the body, what doeth it profit? Do you see what he's trying to say here is? If somebody comes to you for some help, and you say, Maybe they're coming for a loaf of bread. They're hungry. And you say, well, God bless you, brother. Go in peace. What is profit? Nothing. What are you supposed to do for somebody that comes for you to loaf of bread? You're to give them bread. Amen? You're to give them what they need. Now watch this. Even so faith. Now, he's talking about even so, just like this example that he gave you, our faith, I say I have faith in God. All right, let's see. 
If it had not works, it's dead. Being alone. In other words, somebody said, I have faith in God. Well, that's good. Notice what the Bible said. Yea, men may say, Thy faith, thy works, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Hey, if all I got to do is believe, then the devil saved. Because the Bible says that he believed. Amen. That's not what saves you. God, it's, it's believing in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and then it shows what's in your heart. The devil will believe in tremble. Listen to this. Thou believest there's one God. Thou doest well. The devil also believe in tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. It's dead. Somebody comes to the long and said, oh, well, I'm saved. I, I believe. But what do you believe? What do you believe in? Now, here's what I'm trying to say. There's many verses in the Bible that just makes it plain. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Those kind of first verses. Right? When you say you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what are you talking about? Do you believe that He existed? If that's all you believe, that's not salvation. That's just believing He existed. But I believe not only did He exist, but I believe He went to the cross and took my sins in His own body. That's the works that Jesus did for me. I don't have to do any works to be saved, but you can sure know that I am saved by what I do and what I say. And he goes on, and look at verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? God said that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for his salvation. All right? But God turned around and said, But how do I know Abraham was saved? Because he did what I told him to do. Just that simple. He did what he told him to do. He said, I offer your son Isaac upon the altar. And he didn't question God. He just done it. Amen. You know, it troubles me when I see people that claim to be saved, claim to accept Christ as a Savior. Church don't mean nothing to them. I mean, they can miss Sunday and mow the yard or wash the car or, or go fishing or play golf on Sunday or whatever. And it makes no difference to them. It's just like another day. When it comes to just you know, reading the Bible, you put the Bible before you lay a Bible on the table and you lay some other kind of magazine on the table and if they can pick up that Bible every time they turn around, I mean that magazine every time they turn around with the Bible being right there side of it and never open the Bible, what does that tell you? Something wrong with their heart. Because I can't, I can't, what number one to me is the Bible. It's the Word of God. And when it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ, and you hear somebody always backbiting other Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ about anything. I don't care what it's about. It could be the dress they wore, or the suit they wore, or their looks, or, or their job, or or whatever it is. They're always criticizing uh, people about everything in the world. 
something wrong. Something wrong because the Bible says a mark of a saved person is that you love the brethren. You love them. Did you know I, there's some people that just know it me? And I think that's every one of us. If you'll be honest, before God, you know that there's some people's personalities that just don't fit yours. And you just can't get along with them. You know what the Bible says about them? Leave them alone. Don't fight them. Don't say things about them and do things about them. Just leave them alone. God, take care of them. Amen. Vengeance belongs to me, says the Lord. And so there's some people you just can't live because the Bible says, if you can live with them peacefully. What is it if for? Because you can't with some people. Leave them alone. But don't hate them. I heard a person one time talking about another supposed to be a Christian. Well, they ought to go to hell. You know, just like that. Do you realize what you just said? You want another soul to go to a burning lake of fire forever and ever? I don't see no love in that. Amen? I could never... I don't care who they are. I don't care how bad they are. I don't care what kind of crook they are. I do believe this. If you commit murder, your life ought to be taken. The Bible says so. And on and on and on. I can give you everything the Bible tells you that you ought to do to a person that does something wrong. He ought to be punished. No doubt about that. But I've never desired somebody's soul to go to hell. I don't care if they go to the lecture chair. If there's, I don't want to see them go to hell. Amen? I want to see them saved. I've been to prisons and talked to people that have committed murder and sat down with them in the Word of God and pleaded with them to be saved and other people that have done awful things. And in human eyes, they ought to be punished. But in God's eyes, John 3.16 is still there. For God so loved the whole world. That's everybody. Did you know that every person that's ever been born, God loves them. God loves them. What right have I got to hate them then? And when you say and do things against people, the Bible says, I can know whether you're saved or not. And you can know when I'm saved or not. If you trust Christ as your Savior, there's a difference. Amen? And that's what it's all about. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless now in the coming hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.